of the Nine Hundred Fives, whoever you are, this is Squaw Wars. Hello, everyone. My name is Adam Hayes, and on this week's episode, it is time for another double special review slash. Well, I guess it's more like a two-in-one show episode, because not only are we going to be doing a special review of AEW's All Out from this year, of course, we're going to be doing some more crazy road stories given to us from the men and women here in Ontario Independent Wrestling. Uh, but let's not waste any time. We're actually be jumping right into things when it comes to the AEW pay-per-view, because boy, howdy, there was a lot on this card to process. A lot of things happen, a lot of huge returns, a lot of huge debuts, and of course... Jungle Boy himself in the opening pre-show match. And of course, if I'm talking about Jungle Boy right off the bat, I got to be talking about this man, the one and only himself, Jungle Boy Jeff T. Smith. How's it going, man? Whoa. <laughs> Absolutely. Thank you, for Adam, for having me back. Uh, always happy for talking AEW. And of course, in AEW with Jungle Boy, you can't not have me on this show. So appreciate yeah. that. Much respect. Thank you. Happy to be joining. Of course. And of course, if we're talking AEW as well, and it comes to reviews, I'm talking about the man himself, the one and only, the incomparable Jordan Lloyd. Jordan, how's it going? So, I know. I didn't make fun of you for once in one of the intros lately, so. Oh my God, you didn't. Yeah, I know. I'm in a good mood. I'm all fired up. I'm ready to go. Something wrong with you? No, I think. I think everyone's just on a really good high after, you know, this weekend that re- previously happened. And uh, a lot of people's uh, fire for professional wrestling has been reignited. Uh, I know. Oh, yeah. uh, I'm sure the two Some of you of feel that way. So during the weekend. So, <laughs> <laughs> well, be that as it may, that's <laughs> to each his own on that one. Uh, of course, like I said, we are discussing all out when it comes to the uh, recently just happened over the weekend. And of course, some of the crazy road stories given to us from the men and women here in Ontario independent wrestling. Uh, we're going to be hearing from three of them throughout the show. We have Josh Vander Cruz, We have Steve Brown and we have easy E Eric Kearney. So listen on as we're going on through the episode, uh, through the reviews and in between spurtingly, uh, we're going to be plugging those in and uh, you guys get to hear them. So uh, let's not waste any time. Jordan. Adam, if it's easy E, it's pretty much Bush Beer, Bush Beer, and Paps Blue Ribbon Beer. That's I'm it. Sensing, That's I'm sensing a bit of a theme here. So clearly he likes Chardonnay. <laughs> yeah. No, I don't know what is. I, I bet he's got some wild ones, but somehow they'll end up with a uh, beer. With a beer <laughs> story? I would think so. That's your prediction going into this. Okay, perfect. That's so. Yeah, we'll definitely have to see if you are correct. And as well, listen on uh, here on the podcast to be able to see if that is the case. Let's just not waste any time. Let's go right into the actual view of this. Of course, the opening match was in the pre-show. Uh, of course, before the pay-per-view started, it was a 10-man tag team match between the best friends and Ju- Jurassic Express uh, featuring your boy himself, Jungle Boy, uh, taking on the Hardy family office. Uh, which is just the most mismatched bunch of wrestlers you could possibly throw together. Like it's like somebody hit the random button on a video game several times in a ten-man tag, and that's the team that you somehow came up with. Um, you know, the family didn't always match up. Now that that's fair, that's fair. But there's one thing that uh, the Heenan family had, and that was talent, which is unfortunately not some of the I can say about some of the people on that squad. Yeah, uh, you're not saying Isaiah, no, no, are you? I, party? I, okay. I mean, I'm not the biggest fan of private potty, party, potty, party, but <laughs> be it as it may. Um, like I said, best friends and the uh, Jurassic Express took on the Hardy family office. This match was just all over the goddamn place. These guys 
for a time that went nine minutes and 25 seconds, you would have thought these guys went 20 with the amount of stuff that they tried to throw into this all at once. It's just like, all right, this is the big show. We're on the show, but let's make sure that no one can do a move after this match. And they just hit everything <laughs> under the sun. We even saw a uh, good old fashioned chicken, chicken fight as well um, between, you know, uh, what was it? Hybrid 2 taking on the Jurassic Express, which I'm sure got a huge pop from you. Uh, some really funny spots in that. Ultimately, it was Jungle Boy hitting the snare trap and getting the victory by submission, which was kind of funny considering we saw, again, every huge big move under the sun. And also, the big important thing to take away from this matchup, not only the fact that the, the, the post-match celebration was probably just as long as the match itself, what the fact that Jack, the, the the fact that Jack Evans didn't actually die, so we can we can say hooray once again that Jack Evans did not break his neck. Uh, Jordan, yeah, Jordan, what was your, exactly, Jordan, what was your opinion on this opening uh, pre-show ten man? I mean, it was fine. It was an entertaining ten man tag. I don't think Luchasaurus should be allowed to do a roundhouse kick anymore. I, I especially tail whip. Especially now that they have a guy in the company whose main finish is a roundhouse kick. So, I, like, I don't I think you should that. be able to do that. Um, but, yeah, I mean, it was what it was. It was a nice, entertaining 10-man tag to open the show. All right. Jeff, for yourself? Uh, <laughs> <laughs> All right. I'll sit back and get my water. So in, a nice, in a nice follow-up to the Rampage match, which I got Jurassic and Private Party, and I loved it. Steve Brown absolutely hates it. He does not like Private Party as heels. I don't care. I like Private Party. I like Isaiah Cassidy. The Rampage match gave me lots of Jungle Boy and Isaiah crisscross. And I got a little bit of it here. Actually, I got some good st- stuff in this. Like you said, there was a chicken fight as well with the hybrid guys. And Helico and Jungle Boy, they met, I think, on Dark. And I love that mix-up of styles, too. So it was pretty uh, great to see that beautiful snap uh, snare trap sequence uh, as the finish. I love how he locks that in. And the fact that he mixes up different lead-ins to it. Like they hit their double team finish and all that. And just different. I, like I look forward to that. That's a submission that you look forward to. How's he locking it in? And what's the sequence going to be that leads to that? Uh, obviously the right person went over in the match. Uh, and I thought, yeah, they all got their shit in. Nobody looked weak. Uh, it, it, there was a time where Jack Evans, I may have mentioned this on one of our previous recaps uh, of something AEW. Uh, started to look like he was just trying to move too fast and it just looked sloppy. But every, I didn't catch any of that. Everything seemed on point for everybody doing their stuff. Uh, I, I had no, like, this is boring or, or that could have been better. I, I especially liked how Matt Hardy, being the vet, uh, waited on the tag. So everybody got their time in before he got in, too. And it just kept him in that right amount of involvement. So... Yeah, I, a hot start to the show for me. So my, my my show got halted, but I certainly went into it positive. That's for sure. I mean, that was my second main match of the show. Well, like I said, it was a great match. Of course, we also saw the return of the Butcher as well, who's someone I am pretty high on when it comes to AEW. I don't know why. I just really like the oh, Butcher. My dad, my dad marked the fuck out for Butcher. He got like right lead in TV. We're like, Butcher. <laughs> He's like the Butcher. <laughs> yeah, I don't know what it, I don't know what it is. I just I really like that guy. I mean, you can talk to George McKay about that. He he knows my love for him. But anyways, um, of course, like I said, the post match um, itself took a long, long time for them just high fiving, get the hell out of there. They were just stalling for time before the opening card actually took place, which I was kind of surprised with. The opening match was on the main card, but also very surprised based on the outcome as well. It was Eddie Kingston hey, challenging. It was 
don't know. If there's ever a show where like the Butcher and Jungle Boy are prominently featured and it's a very strong show for them, we got to do a recap with George because he will just be in his element. Oh, of course. <laughs> All right. Sorry to interrupt. He'll, he'll, be, he'll be rubbing his temples the entire time. It'll be fantastic. Uh, the opening matchup, of course, on the main card was Eddie Kingston challenging Miro for the AEW TNT Championship. This matchup went 13 minutes and 22 seconds. Big, strong-style matchup right away. Uh, a little bit of a fun little story just I wanted to tell as well, because Jordan was obviously with me when we watched this together. Uh, one of our friends, of course, you know, who's been on the podcast several times, his name is uh, AJ Brown, the phenomenal one, uh, who showed his face a couple of times. He was actually joining us for this pay-per-view. And um, he's not really keen or known to, like, watch a lot of AEW. So this was not a like a new thing for him, but it was almost a kind of like a refresher, shall we say. And uh, he despised Eddie Kingston in this uh, Miro in this matchup because he hated the fact that no one was selling a goddamn thing after like getting hit or dropped on their head and punched with all these things and the selling by Kingston where he looked like he was punch drunk like three quarters of the match. I mean, I, I can see where he's coming from. I personally really like these two, and I didn't mind it myself. Um, but, of course, he absolutely hated it, and we had to remind him of what company we were watching and to stay tuned for the Steel Cage match. But <laughs> <laughs> we'll get to that as uh, as time goes. Well, like, you came to the wrong show. <laughs> Um, but ultimately, like I said, it was Miro defeating Eddie Kingston and retaining the TNT title. I completely agree with this. Um, obviously, this retaining uh, Miro is just becoming a very dominant, great champion. I love the idea of the Redeemer. Uh, Eddie Kingston had the T-shirt of the night with Redeem These Nuts. And um, <laughs> the only thing I would have actually changed in this situation is because, I don't know, as much as I love Eddie Kingston, I don't think I would have actually had him in this match. I would have actually put Sammy Guevara in this situation and had him challenge the TNT title. Only because you've only had the thing with Miro uh, beating the crap out of uh, Fuego del Sol the last couple weeks, and they've already established that Fuego and Sammy are really good friends. So this could have been a nice little in for Sammy to get some TV time and a championship match on pay-per-view. And especially coming off of the, um, the stadium stampede match where he got the victory, this would have been a kind of little umph of giving him a title shot on pay-per-view but that's just myself jeff what do you think he, he wouldn't need to go over if that's the case if you're going to build sammy especially because okay he doesn't thing... need to go over right away on the first championship match calm <laughs> calm down there <laughs> you could you could have <laughs> built to something especially with that ddt storyline i'm not saying miro had to squash all right, all right. In i minutes, see what you're but... saying i see what you're saying uh yeah sammy guevara champion yes it will happen one day um <laughs> Uh, no, I was fine with the match. Like I said, I was so impressed that when I was watching it, everything felt like I said, saw online after the end of the show, people saying that there was a really bold statement saying one of the best pay-per-views, if not the best, since Mania 17. That's a, that's a huge proclamation right there. Oof. I will say it was a damn good one. And yes, every match people brought it like. Again, this is a match that takes second tier for me. I'm I'm not going to be as into it, you know, as I would certain other ones. So, but I was I was fair. I was watching it. I was into it for sure. Eddie Kingston, I you know, I always get a kick of. Obviously, been at shows and and he's such a character. Uh, this redeemed these nuts thing that one took off after Rampage. Yeah. Miro, I, I'm not fussy. I know everybody loves Miro, and that's not a professionally. Miro is is great. He does what he does. I'm just as a fan. I'm not a Miro fan, so I would have been okay if Eddie got it, but I still don't know where Eddie's place now with AEW. It's just an optimistic thing. He's just kind of 
everywhere, you know, going through the motions, which which is fine. Maybe that's all he he has to do. Um, I, I could have cut the match time by about three to four minutes and still got the same entertainment out of it. Uh, yeah, otherwise, uh, fine. Again, nothing sucked on this show, and, and even the QT Marshall match. <laughs> well, well, we'll get to that when it comes to my part for one of these matches. Uh, Jordan, quick thoughts on this one as well? I mean, in a in a company where I have been critical too, that they sometimes, to me at least, don't follow through on effective storytelling, I was happy that at least this followed the story that they were telling leading up to this match, especially throughout the match too. Like he kept hitting Mira with like constant suplexes, dropping them on his neck. They didn't overuse the going for the DDT, and so when it came out of nowhere, it got a huge pop. I was pleased that they actually followed through on a story that they set up um i will say too i did notice there were a few times where eddie kingston's selling did look a little off but it didn't take me out of it like we did our friend but i i could see a couple of things he was seeing if you're not familiar with eddie i i don't think you get if you're if he doesn't watch eddie or he hasn't seen it then you're not going to know how he reacts to things how he sells things Mm. Uh, I, i think he has his own unique stop i agree even if it's like not selling you know i think also too it's one of those things where the he's a great in-ring talent but i think definitely what helps him stand out above the rest is his ability to promo better than 75 percent of the roster as well so which helps him get into the position he is which is nothing wrong with that and speaking of a good promo um that would also be with our the next matchup with uh, one of jordan's all-time favorite wrestlers of course i'm talking not about uh satoshi kojima of course but his opponent rather john moxley where these two went 11 minutes and 50 seconds um good strong straight fired matchup i actually like this one a little bit better than the tnt championship matchup itself uh ultimately it was moxley hitting the um his double arm ddt that i cannot remember the name of currently right now shift. the paradigm shift thank you very much and of course defeating uh kojima in this matchup and then ultimately um, it would lead to the boogeyman of New Japan Pro Wrestling, the Psycho Sensei himself. Of course, I'm talking about uh, one of my favorite New Japan guys, Minoru Suzuki, and he just looks as amazing as ever. I was so, so worried that the crowd was not going to be able to sing along with his entrance theme, which is one of the best things in New Japan Wrestling, at least in my opinion. And uh, nope, they, they did be proud because of the, the audience that we had. The two of them got in the ring, stared at each other, and we knew that it was just going to be a matter of time before they started punching each other. And they did and ultimately ended uh, with Minoru Suzuki standing tall over Moxley. Um, these guys already fought before in Japan. I really can't wait to see this happen again because these guys could literally kick the shit out of each other all day long. But um, enough about the actual return of Minoru. It's going to be in front of a whole different crowd this time. Exactly. So Minoru Suzuki, by far excited for that. But when it comes to this matchup itself with Moxley and Kojima, I had a really good time. So uh, Jordan, what do you think of this match? Just for a reason. Oh yeah, sure. Go ahead. Okay. My reason is, Jordan, I don't know about you. Maybe you're just as familiar. I think you're more familiar. For the Bucks person that I am, I don't know New Japan at all. I don't know these guys, nothing. So this match was not very high up for me. But again, here's an example of where I watched it. I, I felt like the crowd was so into this show anyway that I was going into it with the momentum, even though it was the next morning. And... I enjoyed, and again, I'm not overly a big Moxley 
person. I just, I'm just watching the match. And it felt like such a nice, strong style. I was like, okay, I'm sensing this. I saw that bit on the countdown show where they had their like press conference thing. And so I was following it along, but I don't know these guys. Um, what I liked is just to jump to the finish. I had no problems with the match. Again, here's another example of something I wasn't caring about and I was watching it. And that's a testament to both of these guys and the story they're telling and the crowd's role especially important to the crowd's role is establishing um i'm sorry adam what's his name now that the new guy that came in minaro suzuki minaro suzuki okay again no familiarity at all but through the reaction of the crowd that sold it to me that i knew right away kind of the stature of what this guy and and the commentators of who this guy might be and what his being here is doing right now and and saying so i equally enjoyed it even though i had no idea who this was i was getting uh, anticipated as he got closer to the ring and they were standing there because i just knew it was something happening here so again testament to the crowd of how important that crowd is thankfully it was a crowd familiar with him as you said about singing along that helped establish him to me who was not familiar and i think that's just such a huge thing you can't always rely on your crowd to help get over somebody who you know is new to the company that might not every wrestling fan know especially casual ones tuning in um so all in all i thought it was executed very well because it had me engaged in something that i didn't really know much about jordan like I said off the top, Moxley is definitely one of your guys, has been for a long, long time. What do you think about this matchup and, of course, what we possibly will be seeing in the future uh, with the psychopath Minoru Suzuki? Well, I can't wait for that. <laughs> <laughs> you showed me that first match because I, had, I, I hadn't seen it. So you showed me that after the fact. It was like that was a physical, stiff, entertaining brawl. So I can't wait to see that see them do that in front of a North American audience. Um the the match itself it was a it was a good entertaining like strong style type match. However, I don't know if anybody's really going to remember it in a month. No, I don't think so either. The definitely the story of this matchup was, you know, Suzuki coming out, <clears throat> which I feel like is going to be a, a common theme here as we go on uh, when it comes to all out. But that's just my opinion as well. Any other uh, final comments before we move on? No, yeah, basically summed up everything about it. All right, perfect. Uh, next matchup of the card was for the AEW Women's World Championship. Of course, it was Dr. Britt Baker, DMD, uh, defending her championship title against the alien herself, Chris Statlander. Uh, this matchup went 11 minutes and 34 seconds. I like the chemistry between these two. I am actually a big Chris Statlander fan. I knew there was no chance in hell she was going to win this championship belt, mind you, um, just because at this point, Dr. Britt Baker is um, almost got to get a, like a white-hot treatment when it comes to just professional wrestling like she can almost now do no wrong i said to jordan when we were watching the show it's like she almost went the role of stone cold steve austin in like 1996 1997 like she got over she was a heel she did some real cool bloodbath thing and then she got hurt and then she had to stay away from a little bit and that ultimately helped her get better and more over with the fans because of the promos. And now she's just like this cool badass who the, everyone seems to like go for and just, you know, side with. Um, it, she's definitely someone that I originally wrote off when AEW first started. So, really? uh, yeah, I, I was not a big fan of her. I'm just like, OK, so I'm just like typical, you know, 
baby face really? person, blah, blah, blah. Yeah, but I, like, I wasn't familiar with her from the indies, even though she had been on a couple shows that, you know, a few friends were on, but uh, not up here. So I wasn't familiar with her. I liked her from, as again, I was new to AEW. I was starting and seeing these guys. Britt Baker was actually one that I, I took to right away. And, and see, actually, for, yeah, and for and me, now, it wasn't. So I actually went to, I went with Statlander more than I did with Baker when I first saw her. So, um, yeah, no, I, I'm all Britt Baker. <laughs> but ultimately, like I said, Britt Baker did actually get the victory over Chris Statlander by submission, hitting in that lockjaw, uh, and also set up a little bit of uh, uh, the Bricksburg Sunrise, as I like to call it, or of course the, the original Panama Sunrise during the match, which got an uber huge pop, which of course would pray tell later in the evening. Uh, Jordan, what did you think of this match? It was good. It was entertaining. I mean, Britt Baker's a star. She acts like a star. She looks like a star. She can talk. She can go. Like, now was not the right time for her to drop that title. She's got legs. A, heel, a good heel in the women's division, she's got legs for a while. As soon as you said that, all I was thinking was Stacey Keeper's theme song now. But anyway. Me too. <laughs> Get out of my head. That's funny. Jeff, what about yourself? Uh, one of the best women's matches in company history. In wow. that company. In my I mean, opinion, I mean that's not really saying much, though, to be honest with you. I'm just saying it's it's stepping up as well. Like, that's fair, you know. But I, 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 yeah, I was perfectly happy with it. They did some stuff in that it was like holy shit, you know. Even uh, Chris Atlander got her got got a few uh, things in. I can't remember exactly. There was one segment where if I had been watching it live, I almost would have bought that she was she was getting a win. And then, of course, and, and it was nice how Britt Baker again locked that in. I'm becoming such a sucker for these submissions, like first the the snare trap, and then now how she locks in the glove. But I thought again, it was just a wonderful sequence. And when you pull that off, I I think that's just that's real. I, I was gonna say theater, which I mean wrestling is, but I really thought that it was it was a very nice sequence leading into that. Yeah, and definitely, of course, uh, her next challenger uh, would be revealed later in the night when it came to the uh, 21 Woman Casino Battle Royale. Um, of course, we'll discuss that later on. But right now, we're actually going to be hitting to our very first Crazy Road story. Uh, this one was submitted by our good friend, Josh Vandercruz. Hi, this is the one-man crusade, Josh Vandercruz, and this is my fucked-up road story. So... You're going to really know what I'm talking about quite yet because it, it, it hasn't aired yet and mine is going to air before his, but uh, you're going to get a, a, a hardcore uh, road story coming up soon. But uh, this is kind of a part two to his. So I met up with uh, Jesse Amato um, in the States uh, for IWA Mid-South. Uh, he was part of the King of the Deathmatch tournament. And uh, I had to wait for him uh, in Cleveland, and we drove the rest of the way to um, Indiana, Kentucky area. I forget which part it's actually in, but regardless, uh, we do we do the show. Uh, he's a big bloody mess as usual um, against uh, the bulldozer Matt Tremont. Um, is it Tremont or Tremont, Adam? Tremont. My bad, because uh, I got I gotten shit from Ian. <laughs> from Ian Rotten during that show. That's the, this isn't the story, but it's still funny because they kept uh, announcing his his name wrong. So being, you know, the, the douchey Canadian that I am, I, I kept correcting him. It's like, it's a motto. And you just hear 
you just hear on the mic, Ian's like, yeah, fuck you. <laughs> Let me see your ticket for coming here. <laughs> so I'm like, okay, I'm going to shut up the rest of the night. So I'm sorry, Matt, for uh, for screwing up your name. But uh, yeah, so he's a bloody mess um, after his match. Um, so this is after the show. This is after, you know, everything. Like, we're finally on the road. Um, both, both, both him and his girlfriend had been drinking at this time. Uh, we're tired. Jesse needs to get fucking cleaned up because he looks like a freaking something like roadkill. Um, and they're, 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 are, they're having like a argument, um, about, I don't know where to eat or trying to find a hotel. Cause a lot of people, um, uh, no, that's another story, but we are still trying to find a hotel and, uh, they're fighting and fighting and I'm the only one sober in the car. I don't have my license, but I was forced to drive without a license in the United States, driving around, trying to find a White Castle, because that's what we finally decided we were going to eat uh, amidst the them like arguing with each other. I'm like, how am I the fucking voice of reason here right now when I'm being so illegal right now? <laughs> Anyways, we found White Castle. Um, their burgers weren't as good good as i was hoping and then we found a hotel and yeah that was that fuck you jesse <laughs> and we're back ladies and gentlemen big thank you to one of our good friends of the program josh vander cruz of course you can hear him many times on the show uh just go back in the archives over at anchor.fm slash walworth podcast uh and i'm sure you'll be able to josh find something i successfully got to appreciate attack of the clones <laughs> you're still you're, that's like your one claim to fame when it comes to him and he still brings that up too from time to time too he's like fucking jeff every time <laughs> um, I like phoenix i can't remember I'm, i can't remember now either <laughs> well regardless uh speaking of phoenix uh someone that rose like a phoenix in this matchup and they went and soared to new heights uh well at least they had to because let's be honest four flippy dippy people were going in a steel cage and someone was going to jump off that goddamn thing of course i'm talking about the steel cage matchup for the AEW world tag team championship it was the lucha brothers penta el zero nero and ray phoenix uh taking on the young bucks who uh of course were coming out to the ring with brandon cutler um with just the just the worst outfit, just just I this. love those red leather pants. He, Matt Jackson, okay. point there. He, uh, oh my god, we're gonna have a conversation about this. Yeah, and um, he he looks yeah, like that kind of person. He's that person as an adult. He's that match. person as an adult that I would try to like duct tape to a flagpole. Like that's just that's just the kind of heat that Brandon Cutler gives yeah. with me. But be that as it may, um, this matchup went 22 minutes and five seconds. As uh, some people have already stated, this is considered one of the greatest cage matches of the modern wrestling era. I personally, do, I personally don't see that as the truth. I mean, I saw in my, I saw at least in my opinion four uh, guys that were willing to give it all. I actually thought that the steel cage was a nice. Um, what am I trying to say here? It was definitely something that I was very much looking forward to, not because of the fact that I'm a huge Steel Cage fan, but the fact that the cage was going to limit the Bucks and the Lucha Brothers from doing so many goddamn suicide dives, jumping off the top rope to the floors and stuff like that, which you see in every single one of their matches. Not saying they're not great and the spectacle of the athletic ability, but after a while, if you, you know, if you see Star Wars The Force Awakens, 
like 1600 times, eventually the, the thing is going to wear off. Like this, this is it, like, is I, it I, you know what? I'm talking to the wrong person in this conversation to, with that reference, but be the revenge of the Sith. No, I don't know. So I like, never wears out. So be that as it may, I just, I found for this match, at least personally myself, I really liked it. It was fun. I was very happy to see that Ray Phoenix just did a dive from the top rope, uh, or sorry, from the top of the cage and didn't do like a flippy dippy 360 flip to go with it where he could have really broke his neck. Just a nice high big cross body. It was nice, whatever. Of course, we have to mention the thumbtack shoe that Matt Jackson uh, put on ever so slowly with his um, that, pornographic, that was, pornographic that was face. Creative. I'll give him that. That was creative. It was creative, 100%. I feel bad for uh, Brandon Cutler, who was probably the guy that had put all those thumbtacks on the shoe. <laughs> Let's be honest. Um, I feel so like, I it's, one like those, a, it's one of those spots that looks better. Jackson phrase. Uh, it was one of those spots that definitely looks better for the hard cam and the people at home rather than the audience, especially when you're inside of a cage already. That's just, again, my personal opinion. Um, also, too, doing the whole blood spot and uh, having the Lucha Brothers getting blood and color before the tack spot of the shoe, I was not a big fan of. If you're going to juice that much, especially with Penta, where he really can juice underneath that mask, especially when it's ripped, I feel like they should have saved that for after he got the tax, like, grinded in his face in the corner. But be that as it may, regardless of what happened, we finally, 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 finally have new, brand new tag team champions with the Lucha Brothers defeating the young-ish, oldish Bucks. Uh, I'm very, very happy. I do not need to see the young Bucks on my TV for the next six to eight months. And possibly, hopefully, FTR can move in there and get some matches with the Lucha Brothers and finally take those goddamn tag team titles like they should have done, oh, I don't know, a year ago or so. Well, um, remember, they, they they did. Oh, when they were tag team champions? Yeah. Yeah, but now they can actually hold the titles longer. And they can actually have better feuds with people. And it'll be worth something. I'm listening to right now. Well, again, well, like you're just you just don't understand the love that I have for FTR. And Jordan feels the same way about FTR, for the record. You're out number two to one. But be as it may, uh, Jeff, we're going to end with you last on this, just because I know you can go on forever on this match, I'm sure. Jordan, what do you ultimately think about this cage match? Do you think it lived up to the hype? And uh, are you excited to see the uh, Young Bucks take a, uh, a small siesta of their own? Oh, I'm beyond ecstatic about that. But, um... No, it was it was it was great. It was fun. It was entertaining. However, I have some issues with it. <laughs> I feel like you were ready to pull out a piece of paper. Like I have notes. <laughs> Here's my list. Here's... No, so like the whole fact that of the cage being there was to limit the elite from being able to interfere and get involved and help the Bucks win. However, other than the thumbtack shoe being thrown over the cage. Did the cage really need to be there? The Bucks weren't trying to run. They weren't trying to cut corners. They weren't trying to basically get the hell out of there as fast as they could with the titles. The Bucks just basically went from being the heel, the cowardly heels needing their friends to help them win to then suddenly becoming badasses and like dominating three quarters of the match. There was a spot early on, like just a minute into the match or so, where the Bucks both went for, to climb that cage, and that's where Penta, I think, was sent Phoenix off, and he kicked them both in the back, and they dropped down. So they did go for a climb up and out right early off the bat. There was like a spot. That, 
it was non-existent. Is what I guess is what I'm saying. It's like I don't know. It's weird when heels dominate a cage for so long, and they're like they're the aggressors, and they they push the violence. When the whole point of the cage being there was because they they need their friends to help them. When I, I don't know. It's it's very strange. Like Adam, you said the same thing. Go on. I was waiting for a better pitch than you said the same thing. Well, you did. You said the same thing, too. Like, it's odd that heels would push the pace of the aggression and the violence so much in a cage match. Like, sure, there was the one time where they tried to climb it right at the beginning. But other than that, that was it. I think that especially what I was trying to say, too, and what you're alluding to is the baby. Like, this has been for so long. The Bucks have gotten away by hook or by crook retaining these tag titles. And right. finally, they're in a no-win situation. There's no place to run, no place to hide. These guys should have got their ass kicked. For a right, that's match. what I'm saying. And I realize it's hard, especially within this company, and it's even harder because of the participants, because I feel like, and Jeff, I'm sure you're going to shit on me for this, they forego storyline basic psychology for let's see how much cool shit we can do to each other because we can and I feel like, like that's a and that's a stigma that the Bucks and the Lucha Brothers have had on both of their matches and with other opponents for quite some time. So it's sure. not like I'm just ripping on the Bucks for that one for the record. Here's the only the only reason why I I give it a pass on this. I, I know <laughs> thank you. you. <laughs> Especially since the Bucks with their changeover, like with Don Callis and all that, and they definitely played the more cowardly and, and believe me, I hear it enough from my cousin in BC who messages me and I love pissing him off. Cause he's like, the bucks can't do everything. The bucks like, you know, and me, I'm always like pro boxer pro Matt Jackson. Like I was even going to say in this match, I'm like, do you notice it wasn't Matt Jackson who got pinned? Like just to be an asshole. Right. But, <laughs> but with this one, this is two teams where it's not like it was a varsity blondes or it wasn't a Jurassic even. Uh, these two guys have been going on for so long, and it, it dates back to the all-out of 2019. So I think that gives it a pass as a reason for the Bucks to show off their their old Bucks colors, as opposed to just being the new Bucks because of the history that's bringing into this match. If they if they just stayed as their new Bucks, which they could have done, it wouldn't have. Uh, I don't know. It wouldn't have added up to everything that we've seen the Lucha brothers and the Bucks do before. So they have to bring that extra to it. But Adam, I want to add something something on to what you said earlier about how sometimes it seems like it's just, let's see how much cool stuff we can do. Yeah. Just because we can like a flip pile driver off the top rope being a transition spot. I don't really think works. Yeah. That, that, that kind of hurt me as well. I'm not going to lie. I don't really think that works also too. And now here's another case study. We were watching this show with someone else. Oh yes. This is a good case study. Actually. We were not just AJ. We were watching this with someone else. Uh, We were with Josh and he actually brought his wife to watch the show. Now she's not, she's not a, uh, she's not a diehard fan. Like we all are. She's like a little bit under a casual fan at best. Um, and when they got to the spot where the four of them were all in a circle and they all and they all started super kicking each other around in a circle, she burst out laughing. She, I don't think that's the reaction that you would probably want to get out of somebody who's would in this case be a new fan. Cause I don't think she's ever watched this company before. No, 
And a case in point, too, I know we've been praising it as well, and we mentioned it on our previous review, but she was also there when we watched NXT TakeOver um, 36 that recently happened, and she was in love, as the rest of the world was, with Ilya Dragunov versus Walter. She's, yeah. So, like, doing things like that, like, just because you can, like, that's the, it's the age-old adage of just because you can doesn't mean you should. But regardless I feel, of... I feel like I have a comeback for everything. I feel uh, like I, you do too, but go ahead. <laughs> I feel like Flux and Kenny Omega, they always have this tongue-in-cheek wink at the audience, this wrestling's a show and we give it to you anyways moment. I don't think they mind the, the laughing because I also chuckled as well at like this over-the-top moment. And I think they're consciously aware of that, but they just play it up. So their so their goal is to have meta in all their matches. Yeah. Okay. You know what? I'm gonna actually try rewatching another match of theirs while keeping that in mind, and we'll see if my opinion changes. Um, but we'll see what happens. I mean, like I said, I'm happy Lucha Brothers are the tag team champions now. I'm a huge fan of Penta. Have been for a long, long time since Lucha Underground days. So uh, we'll see what happens. Story wise, it, it was right. I even went into it like I'm not an idiot. I've done, you know, I've done booking and writing. I think I, it was the writing was kind of on the wall that it's it's the Luchasaurus's time. The the Bucks would be dropping those titles. But, Did I want it just as a fan perspective? No, I would keep the Bucks going till Jurassic. But you know, well, it, it was okay. And now it, we can get new stuff, not FTR, but we can get Jurassic in, in there. So It's funny that you said Jurassic because I said this to Jordan while watching it. I would have actually preferred Jurassic Express in this matchup to win the tag titles over the Lucha Bros. Only I because, was, I, I mean, you, so you're going to agree with that regardless, I realize. But I mean... <laughs> but no, I, I really believed, Adam, I really believed when they set up this tournament following that match of theirs uh, on Dynamite, I really thought... Especially because Jungle Boy did not lock in the snare trap or anything in that match. And I thought, oh, this tournament, Jurassic's going to get it at the pay-per-view and Jungle Boy's going to lock in the snare trap. And that's why they didn't do it in the Dynamite match. I really thought they were building that up. Well, and especially they since go- they got screwed on the Dynamite match in the tag title match they had to begin with. They go through this little mini tournament to get to them finally in the cage. And then they finally <laughs> ultimately get their win. And especially with Jungle Boy, who, I don't know, just fought your world champion like a month or so ago and like you know was putting that i feel like i feel so bad for jungle boy because he's one of those guys that he's either really high on the card or he's really down he's never in the middle and if you're like just not even paying attention he's just he's he's not out of the loop yet he's not out of the loop yet he's winning matches left right and center on dark so let me just throw one more thing out there real quick a lot of people i know with the lucha bros probably prefer pentagon i actually prefer ray phoenix Ray Phoenix, to me, actually is probably one of my favorite luchadors working in the business right now. But you know who's a huge fan of Ray Phoenix? One Alessandro Del Bruno. Huge Ray Phoenix. I'm, really not, like, I'm not surprised, actually, on that one. I can totally see that. Great, he's fluent. He's crisp. He does I will, things. I will say this. I'm a, I'm a Matt Jackson fan of the Bucks, but one of the best matches still on Dynamite to date was one of their earliest episodes with Nick Jackson versus Ray Phoenix. Oh, and side note, Nick Jackson looked like total dog shit in this fucking pay-per-view. That beard dye jaw that he had, I swear to God, you would have told me he came out with the same makeup as Mrs. Doubtfire. Like, he looked horrible when he walked out through the curtain. I felt like somebody punched him in the face with, like, a, a wet tuna or something. Like, it was just terrible. But, 
like Matt Jackson looked like, you know, you know, playboy playmate at that point or a playgirl playmate or whatever the hell it is. Uh, but be as it may, let's move on. We've talked about this matchup enough. Uh, we alluded to it earlier. It was the 21 woman casino Royale battle Royale rather uh, matchup to determine a future AEW world's women's championship match. The match went 22 minutes. Um, Pretty good names in this. I mean, I'm a huge fan of Abaddon. I was very sad that she got eliminated really, really fast, but that's just me. Uh, but, yeah, and of course, uh, ultimately, this matchup would end with Ruby Soho, a.k.a. Ruby Riot, making her AEW uh, debut and coming in and ultimately winning this matchup. Uh, a lot of fans were super duper happy. Uh, before we get into your reviews, in it, I'm just going to be real quick on this. I fucking hated it. And I'll tell you why. It's because the story has been writing itself for so long that Thunder Rosa should have won this goddamn match. Thunder Rosa has was the person who was fighting with Britt Baker for so long, made this bitch bleed all over Jacksonville, Florida in an epic lights out matchup, beat Dr. Britt Baker and then gets put to the sideline for so long. So Britt Baker could ultimately go in and win this championship match um, championship from Hikaru Shida and is now the champion. The writing is on the wall. It, it, there's a perfect story that you could have told with Thunder Rosa. Be like, bitch, I beat you for this belt. You would have only got popular if it wasn't for me making you bleed like a bitch you are. And I'm going to do the same thing again, but only this time I will take your title. And especially with the chemistry that they have, I would have been so happy. But no, it's one of these other new people that comes in and gets shoehorned right to the main event. And I know Jordan's a big fan of that, so I'll get to him last. <laughs> we'll get to you last about that. But that's just my personal opinion. Can, I'm happy to see Ruby Soho in the company. Just not happy that she won this matchup. Jeff, your opinions on Ruby Soho and this matchup in general. I, I agree with you. Uh, I was not expecting her to uh, win the match. I, like you thought that logistically Thunder Rosa would take the win on this. Uh, personally, I was, of course, for Penelope Ford. And uh, as a more late, I like Anna Jay, but that's just for reason. So uh, I've got to go with the, the match itself was enjoyable. I, you know, I like seeing everyone interact together. Penelope hung in there a long time. I almost wondered if we'd see a little uh, Kip Sabian return at some point in it, if she was about to be eliminated and he'd like show up at ringside and save her somehow. Oh, you mean box face? Yeah, box face. Uh, He's got to be coming back soon. I'm I'm surprised he didn't show up on the show because he was at the fan fest or whatever. But yeah, I, I had no qualms with this one outside of like you. I thought, if anything, it would have gone to Thunder Rosa. Uh, Ruby So has got a huge fan base. Obviously, it's great to see her, whatever. I've, you know, she was here plenty of times, uh, rivaling Kobe and Alpha. So it's just nice to see her working on television either way. Um, but did she have to win that? No, I don't think so. Jordan? I can't stand when somebody new comes in whether it's from in the wwe comes in from nxt and goes straight to a main event spot or whether now or whether it's a situation like this where somebody comes in on their first night and they go straight into a, a title match because if that happens and the plan is not for them to go over like if she's if she's not going to win like to me you should do that if you're going to go all the way if you're not going to go all the way with it don't do it because if she loses now there's nowhere to go but down You've instantly devalued 
a brand new star for no reason. Just because, oh, she's a hot new name, we got to put her in a high spot. Do it if you're going to go all the way. If not, when you first said that, I was going to say, what was your opinion of Gail Kim winning the belt on her debut back in the day? But she got the belt. So you're saying the interim of that is if they're not going to get that belt on her now, it diminishes her appearance. Yeah, it definitely I mean, does. To, to, go to, to go to Jordan's point on this, as uh, Jeff kind of falls from space uh, as he drops his thing, um, I I totally agree with you in the sense of like, if you're not going to do it right away, then what's the point of doing it at all? A case in point was that matchup where they did with the Casino Battle Royale, the one that Jungle Boy wound up winning, where Christian Cage was the odds-on favorite, came in as the, like, the hot new product at that time, and was in that matchup and ultimately wound up losing, and then delaying his championship uh, opportunity by like another three four months and kind of almost cooling him off in a sense. Which I'm sure, of course, Jeff didn't mind because Jeff means Jungle Boy won and got a championship match. But that's besides the point. I feel like, again, it goes back to your thought process. Like, if you're going to shoehorn a person into that championship thing, Ruby better win now. Because if she yeah. doesn't, it's it's going to almost deflate her even faster, unless it's by vicarious means. But heels don't cheat anymore in this goddamn company, uh, unless you're the Young Bucks, which is fine. Because then you have Brandon yeah, Cullen, you the stupid do, sprite. If you can do everything under the sun, how can you be an effective heel? So yeah. if, she, if she doesn't lose that match by, by nefarious means then it's no different. You've still deflated her. You've still deflated her value. Now, one more thing I'll say about the match. The match, the match for the most part was was good. Not great, but good. Some of the, some of the presentation of it was bad. Mm. Like when people were coming down to the ramp and they just had the camera on the ring, for people who maybe this is their first experience watching this show, they're not going to have any idea who any of these people are. Like Good you could have gone back to the you could have gone back to the entrance way, maybe just put like a little graphic for a person running down to the ring so people know who they are. They didn't do that. Like a split screen kind of deal. Yeah, exactly. But because they didn't do that, like we were watching with Josh, he had no idea who half those women were. Because yeah. he couldn't hear what the ring announcer was saying, and they wouldn't go back to the ramp to show people coming down to the ring. Any of these casino battle royals, though, they haven't done the the graphic with the name have they i can't even remember the double or nothing or no but this is one of the first ones that i can remember where everyone got their own theme song as they were coming up to the ring which was kind of nice as well um because i did i wasn't a big fan of the clusters of them all coming out at the same time and like half-ass fighting each other on the ring yeah jungle boy got his didn't he well of course well jungle boy was one of the first ones in wasn't he no he was the last group in that one Ah, but after that did they not play the music, or did they just play his as the first of that group? I think that they played it after. But again, we're getting off topic a little bit here. So. No, no, no. I'm trying to relative, make it relative because, yeah, you're right about the music. I, I can't recall if it's individual. So this one was individual. Yes. Okay. So we'll have to see what happens. Also, really side picnic uh, pick, uh, nitpicking moment, rather, is easy for me to say. Um, they got to get another picture of a spade. That is a terrible goddamn spade on that car. <laughs> it looks nothing like a spade. It looks like a Rorschach painting. Like the first time they ever did that, they're like, it's the, it's the, and then, you know, Excalibur's like, it's the spade. I'm like, oh yeah, that's not a spade, but yeah, we'll go with it. 
if your note says it's a spade, it's a spade. <laughs> so, again, that was just my opinion. Uh, we were talking about effective heels, and this person here in Ontario is definitely one of them. Of course, I'm talking about the bone crusher himself, Steve Brown. Let's listen to his crazy road story. All right, I was asked by Adam to provide a road story, Bone Crusher Steve Brown. And I have a road story that epitomizes uh, how much of a geek I really am and most of my friends in wrestling are. Uh, Take you back to, I believe it was 2005, and myself, Stefan Elias, The Amazing Darkstone, Timothy Dalton, uh, Rip Impact... We're all in a car. We're heading to Valley Field, I believe, in Quebec to do a show for ISW Interspecies Wrestling. Uh, On the way to the show, it's winter, you know, on the way to the show, uh, we see a Toys R Us in, uh, I think it was Bowmanville. And we're like to Elias, like, let's get off. We'll get something to eat and we'll go to Toys R Us. So we get off. As we're getting off, we hit black ice, go down a ditch off the guardrail, go up, go down another ditch, and we are stuck in the ditch, crossing on ramps, like, miracle that we didn't die. So, nobody has money. I'm the only one that has money to pay for a tow, but before the tow happens, we make sure that we still walk over to the mall and go to the Toys R Us. Uh, yeah. I, th- I believe it costs about, I'm going to say at least probably 150 bucks to get the car uh, winched out by the tow truck where the winch snapped and almost pulled the flatbed tow truck down into the ditch. We finally get it up. Uh, Stefan Elias's uh, Chrysler Neon <laughs> we we get to Valley Field, we do the show, they gave us sixty bucks, which equated to twelve dollars each. We gave it all to Elias for uh gas. Uh we st- <laughs> and we made it back alive. But uh, you know, it's not the most exciting, but it like I said, it epitomizes how much of a geek I really am. You know, so listen to When Geeks Collide. Look it up. And uh, check out NSW. And we're back, ladies and gentlemen. Big thank you to Steve Brown for his uh, really funny road story as well. Uh, A a similar story that we've heard uh, now, I believe twice now, both him and St. Stephen Elias have told the similar story of them uh, getting stuck out in the middle of nowhere, uh, going figure hunting and then going to a show. But be that as it may, really fun to hear different uh, perspectives rather on the same story. Uh, But what is not fun has been this upcoming feud and that has uh, been drowning and been going for oh so long. Uh, the next matchup was a singles matchup uh, where had Chris Jericho lost, he would have to retire from in-ring competition, not AEW. He would just go 15 feet to the broadcasting crew. Just say he'll retire permanently. No, I just won't wrestle here. Yeah. <laughs> and, of course, uh, it was Chris Jericho taking on uh, his, um, his uh, rival for the last little while, MJF. Again, I have been a huge... I've wow. I have been a huge fan of MJF for oh so long. I think he's one of the best talkers, one of the best wrestlers uh, that is not being utilized. Had I think that AEW was not in the mindset to sign as many 
names, I guess we'll say, from other companies to the um, AEW as much as they have over the last couple of years. I really do think that MJF would be in your world title picture, or at least at least in the TNT title um, picture as well, just something with a championship title besides that little pinky ring of his. Um, Chris Jericho, of course, MJF, they had not the best matchup in the whole wide world. Of course, I just find the chemistry is off between these two. In, on the microphone, sure, but in ring, not so much. They went 19 minutes, 30 seconds before Chris Jericho, by submission rather, defeated MJF. Didn't even use the Judas effect, which has been the story from the previous matchup. But whatever, you had to make the the uh, the popular heel tap out, I guess. So be that as it may, Chris Jericho gets to keep his job and keep wrestling and yippity-doo. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that that's pretty much just my opinion. Hopefully MJF finally moves on to greater and better things and Jericho can find on, you know, find the next person he can leech on to. So we'll see what happens. Jeff, what's your opinion? Leech on to such derogatory. Uh, well, I mean, come on, you got to really look at this, how it's been the, happening. The feud he has gone. Yeah. If you weren't going to have Jericho, I mean, especially after that, um, I was going to call it war games uh, match. With MGF still winning, like they did, like the reverse. But I will say, I will say this: that at this point, it almost seemed like Jericho did need to win after all the MGF. They they've almost done like this reverse where you think it would be normally if Jericho was in the main heel role, he would have got you know the victories of victories, and MGF gets the last comeuppance on it. This was kind of reverse on that throughout this whole play. Uh, going to what you were saying about signings and, and placement, MJF and Sammy are a lot on the same level that they do not always work a full-time schedule. And I think it's it's just keeping these two... What? Full-time schedule? MJF has probably had three matches all fucking year. And two of them, and, and the last couple have been on pay-per-view. I don't remember the last time he had a match on Dynamite. And Sammy doesn't have many or matches. Dark. Sammy's had more than than mjf but well, i'm that's, saying that's guys, not i'm assuming that's not their fault that has to do with the promoters of the evps that keep putting themselves in 30 minute matches on tv but that's well, just I, unless that's just the way they're developing them but anyway uh i i was fine with your <laughs> i was fine with jericho winning this because of how the finish was done that it was a little bit old school you know dirty pool tactic but MJF did get the win initially, hitting the Judas effect on Jericho. So he gets the rub of using Jericho's own move to take him out. One, two, three. Aubrey didn't see it. Jericho gets a foot on the ropes. That's just a veteran ring awareness move, if you're going to look at it like that. MJF still got the whole segment, though. He got the win. And then Jericho, oh, his foot on the rope. Then he gets the ultimate win to keep the job. But I don't think that lessened MJF just because initially it was MJF who got the win. And if it wasn't for him being close to the rope and that ring presence, then he would have he would have won that. He did out-wrestle Jericho. I get what you're saying with that. I did say to Jordan when we were watching him, like, the whole foot on the rope and the bell thing and the restart was one of the better ones I've seen in a long time. I will give them that in this match. It was probably the best part of this whole matchup, if you're giving my honest opinion. Um, I still, though, would have not have MJF lose by tap out in this thing. They told the story of the Judas effect. They had MJF just hit the move and almost beat him with it, and Jericho couldn't use him in this last match. If you're going to beat him with it, beat him with your hold. 
you're not beating people na- nowadays with the you know the walls of Jericho or the Lion Team or whatever you want to call it. You're beating people with the back elbow that got you the world title. So you should beat your rising star heel who has a lot of legs and room to move over the professional wrestling ranks for the next 25 years if he choose, chooses to do so with the you know the move that got you as you know got you the belt in the first place. At least did that's just go- my opinion. Did he try to hit the Judas effect and then MJF countered it? At one point, if he did, then sure, okay. But like, he should still actually hit it. Just because you miss a move once doesn't mean like, oh, shucks, I can't do that again. If that was the case, Stone Cold, if that was the case, Stone Cold Steve Austin would never hit a fucking stunner. People would catch the catch the thing and push him off of the stunner, and he'd be like, well, goddamn, son, can't do that shit again. You're gonna think of something else. (laughs) Gotta think of something else. I better hit him with my fucking, you know, low clothesline or something. If he got, yeah, if he gave up the stunner after the rock hit him with the stunner multiple times, uh, I guess, yeah, Case you're saying. Point. Yeah, so, I don't know. Jordan, uh, what was your opinion? I, I bought it. Uh, yeah. Yeah, you're right about the Judas. No, I'm good with that. That eliminates the Judas. I, I looked at it as MJF using it eliminated it from the thing, especially if he missed hitting it. So, if, like, Jericho's not going to hit that on MJF because this guy's a little bit ahead of that. Then he's gonna have to go to the old school, the classic Jericho move to pull that out as a last effort. Jordan, what about yourself? This feud has been awful. <laughs> <laughs> this feud has been Chris Jericho has held held this guy's career hostage for a year. <laughs> like it's very he totally has. Um, it's gone on very long. Honestly, it should have been Sammy and MJF by now for real. Like. He, like, I'm not just saying that they should have. A funny thing about the funny thing about the the foot on the rope spot that like one of our friends pointed out while we were watching, and I was like, oh, you know what? That's actually kind of true. When the second referee came over and was trying to tell Aubrey, be like, yeah, his foot was on the rope. I was standing right here. I saw it. It's all. It's funny that that referee conveniently left out the part that he would have seen MJF hit Jericho on the head with a bat. <laughs> he just he left that part out. I just chose to say, oh, yeah, I saw his foot on the bottom rope. I was standing right here. I saw it. Um, I thought he was coming down like he was standing at the entrance when he was like, I'm standing here. I'm standing out this way and saw. But time wise, yeah, that'd be pretty close to him showing up in that spot between the bat and the Judas effect. But yeah, this feud's been terrible. Like somehow like MJF, yes, has gotten wins over Jericho, but I feel like Jericho, in the end, still somehow made it all about him in the long run. Like, yes, the Pinnacle did win in the cage, but nobody will remember that. Everybody will just remember Jericho getting thrown off the cage. So once again, he made it all about him. Um, he, hey, goes man, he took five, those crash pads like a champ. He goes through the five labors, loses, and then two weeks later just asks for another match and is given one, thus nullifying every the last six weeks of television we just had to sit through. Oh, uh, this yeah. I'm happy. I got I got Hoovy back, so I'll take that in a heartbeat. Oh to my see who god! Like, are you one of the most overrated overrated luchadors in WCW history? But go my on. Favorite of all time, more than Ray, is Juventud Guerrero. Even that was ass backwards. They made the the match before that is a a, a, a death match against a violent psychopathic death match wrestler. Then the next week, he just has to beat a 50-year-old luchador with a move off the top rope. 
Or as Jim, or as Jim Cornette would call him, a drunk, a drug addicted bank robber. <laughs> no, it's the bank addicted drug robber. Right, uh, right, that's that's the line. But no, like none of this has made any sense. Like I'm just happy that MJF can hopefully salvage his career and move on to something better. And Jericho can either go on tour infecting people with COVID, or he can, or he can, I don't know. Le- leech on to somebody else that's new. Leech on to Adam Cole, ruin his career. Well, someone that I hopefully he thinks he's not going to be leeching on to because of their popularity and their uh, imminent return was in matter of moments at that point. Seven years in the making was the next matchup on the card. It was Darby Allen coming out to the ring with some pretty badass gear and a really cool skateboard, I must say, uh, taking on the returning, the one and only CM Punk, of course, getting the hero's welcome in Chicago. Um, it was kind of funny. Somebody shared on uh, one of my, you know, I guess like wrestling Facebook groups that I'm a part of that apparently they wanted to just take this matchup uh, and take the blueprint from the one, two, three kid versus Brett the Hitman Hart because they pretty much did the exact same moves back to back with each other and even with the same storyline trying to get over um, Darby Allen. But be that as it may, uh, Punk and Darby, this was just a fun old school match it was good to see punk back in his elements the pants kind of threw me off a little bit but i got over that pretty quickly uh darby did whatever he possibly could to make cm punk look like a million bucks in this thing and taking more ridiculous bumps into the corner and falling to the outside like he always would which again in my opinion was the smartest opponent for punk to be able to be in the ring with first because he's gonna make punk look like a million bucks and all those moves look more devastating than what they are um the lead up to this match, or the lead up to this match, I will say, I am one of those people where the bloom was starting to fade off the rose when it comes to CM Punk. Like, the, don't get me wrong, his return in Chicago, the original one, and back in uh, late August was fantastic. But coming out every single show and just doing the same promo and coming back out, and especially then being in Chicago, like four times or three times in the last like two or three weeks, I feel really not hindered CM Punk's return in the ring because it was still going to be big and great no matter what. But I feel like you could have just did the big return in Chicago that one time, done the sit-down interview with JR backstage, and then that's it. You didn't need to do the things with Daniel Garcia in 2.0 or the same wrestling tropes to lead into this match. You could have just sold it on what it was, just like Hogan and Rock. You didn't need to do a goddamn bus being hit by a fucking truck or anything like that leading to the WrestleMania 18 match. You could have just sold on the fact that it was Hogan and Rock. You could have just sold on the fact it was Darby and Punk. That, that's funny you mentioned that, Adam, because I was just going to say the exact what I was finding in the format of, of this show. Um, now, the Daniel Garcia, that was all for, for Darby stuff and a little feud there. So I, I was okay. You're right. CM Punk getting with that. But it was also nice seeing CM Punk physically involved with a little altercation there at the end. I think it was Dynamite, right? Or Rampage? Dynamite. Um, Dynamite. Dynamite. So I, I'm okay with that. As a go home, I'm right. You're right about the few excess promos. You could have limited Punk on, say, of the I think it was like five shows, five shows maybe that was sure. there. Um, you could have had him do three of those, um, for the most part. Uh, but going with what by now, right? This is the third last match. All I could think about was if you're not going to do your title match as the main event, you're going to do this as the main event. And it got me thinking to WrestleMania 18 that had an okay card. 
And then your Hogan and Rock, which is your highlight marquee match, is third last. And his exact positioning of the Punk, I, I think so, Punk and CM Punk, or Punk and Derby. So that's where I was going with this as well with the form. Like, okay, the title match, and, and they're doing this big match as, as third up. And then you're going to have your, your in-between match. Uh, I, I did not over-expect stuff from Punk which I, I heard some people did, or they were thinking it was going to be more than it was. I, I was perfectly fine with it. I thought, like you said, everything Darby did, they made each other look great. They worked with their styles. Uh, personally, I, I would have been, I was for Darby. I mean, I'm just, you know, again, I'm not a huge punk person uh, as so many people are emotionally involved with, with punk as part of their fandom. I'm going to pause Again, you right there. I'm going to pause you right there. Any CM Punk fans that are listening, you can uh, find uh, Jeff T. Smith's address linked into the description of this episode uh, just so you can send your hate mail or Molotovs. So go ahead, Jeff. <laughs> okay. So I, I was for Darby. I was good for Darby in this. And just for the fun of it and knowing how many people were for Punk, of course I'm going to be for Darby Allen. Uh, but you knew how it was going to go. Man, if Darby went over in that match, imagine that. That would have really fucked everybody up. That, that would have been something. They would have burned the city to the ground. <laughs> they, they would have made Darby Allen the number one heel in the company in one shot. As somebody like Steve probably would say, of course, Jeff, you'd fucking book it because it would <laughs> piss everyone off and it would swear them. <laughs> a la Vince Russo or something like that. Yeah. Uh, Jordan? Um, Jordan, what was your opinions on this matchup? Do you think, do you think uh, Punk's uh, debut was uh, worth the wait in the sense? And do you think Darby was the right opponent and everything else? I can, under- I can understand if some people may have been disappointed that it it, the, it wasn't like a like a five star like old school like Ring of Honor type classic. I can understand if people may have been disappointed with it, but at the same time, I don't think it needed to be. It was Punk's this first was, match in seven years. This was something that just had to be. It, this was a match where it had to be. What needed to be shown was, it's a, yeah, like you said, it's his first match in seven years. All that had to be shown was that he can still go and hang with the younger guys, and he did. He proved that. Darby is not exactly, the encyclopedia of textbook, right? That you need. You could save that for some of the other guys. Right, and it's I'll not. Jungle boy. Oh, thanks, Adam. I wasn't going to say it. I wasn't going to say it. I figured I'd just help you out there. It was exactly what it needed to be. It was competitive. It 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 wasn't – they weren't trying to do everything under the sun. It was a slower, brisk pace. Punk ended up going over because, obviously, he's the big major star they've just gotten, so he had to. But he also didn't make the young guy look bad with how he went over. No. And I think it went just the right amount of time too. It's 16 uh, minutes and 40 seconds. So um, no, no issues with that whatsoever. I thought it was still a very good debut. Uh, something that exactly did exactly what it was supposed to do. That was the next match. It was the co-main event. It was Paul White, or as Jim Ross liked to call him, the big show, uh, taking on QT Marshall. Uh, this matchup went three minutes and 10 seconds. It's exactly what it was supposed to be. It was big show being the crap out of QT. And that's my opinion on this match. No more BS, Adam. Well, I love that tagline because that's a whole play on on two things. <laughs> yes, yeah, I, yes, that is the joke, Jeff. Yeah, we can. <laughs> yeah, bear bear with me. Uh, uh, you know what? I I just it, it was it was fun. It was filler. 
Uh, I got a refill on God knows whatever drink amount by that time. Oh, so uh, did the audience. Did you see all those empty good, seats afterwards? Good bathroom break for everybody. <laughs> but, uh, but I was keeping uh, keeping in mind because Aaron Aaron Solo got a spot. I got a kick out of him and and QT. Like I said, when you're watching Sammy's vlogs, you learn to appreciate like QT and and Aaron Solo. So that's I, I, Solo so bland, so bland. But he's, he's so, Aaron Solo. How he's how Aaron bad and bland Solo. How bad must Big Show feel? That like he was he was so excited to get back in the ring, and like people want to see me get back in the ring in AEW. And his first match, half the crowd went to the bathroom. Well, like, they they knew whatever they put in that uh, that uh, that spot, like the crowd was going to be burnt out, right? Like they just like had I to, and especially had, since they had the world title match to go. So maybe eighteen. It was the women's match. It was a decent match with Trish and Lita and Jazz. But you had you just had that post Hogan Rock which you couldn't recover from. It was a very tough spot for anybody. Mm. Uh, uh, they, you know, and, and if, if you put a, any other match in there, it would have been tough, even the Moxley match. I think anything would have been hard-pressed for that spot. I agree. Well, one thing we're going to do before we go on to the main event is hear one more road story. This one, of course, coming from someone who I know oh so well because I managed him to Championship Glory and Death Proof Bike Club. Uh, of course, that is uh, the man himself, Easy Eric Carney. Let's hear from his road story right now. Hey, guys, this is Easy Eric Kearney, uh, and here's a road story for you. And like any good Easy road story, it, uh, it starts with the night before uh, where there's drinks involved. Uh, so the backstory here is, uh, I was going to Jeff Black's place in, uh, in Kitchener and I was going to spend the night there. And then in the morning we were going to meet up with Eddie Osborne, Super Kamikaze, uh, Joey Allen, a few guys were going to end up going up to Kirkland Lake early in the morning. Uh, instead of staying at Jeff Black's place, we met up with, uh, Eddie Osborne and Joey Allen in Kitchener, or, uh, sorry, in Cambridge. And, uh, we started having a few drinks and a few drinks turned into a lot of drinks uh, and one thing led to another and, uh, it ended up being that, uh, by the end of this, Jeff Black was really mad because all of us were just annihilated. Uh, and one Joey Allen, who is just extremely annihilated, he was laying on the sidewalk on his side, uh, trying to take a leak. Um, so that didn't go well. Uh, Jeff Black was trying to get him off the sidewalk uh, Eddie Osborne and I were getting in fights in the bar, uh, as we do when we're drunk. Uh, and, uh, and then I got back to, uh, Eddie's place. I didn't even go back to Jeff's. I stayed at Eddie's and I was so drunk. I ended up locking myself in the bathroom the whole night, uh, to the point where his pregnant, uh, girlfriend slash wife could not get into the bathroom <laughs> and I threw up all in their tub. Um, it probably one of the reasons she might not like me. I'm not sure. Um, and, uh, and, uh, yeah, so I locked myself in the bathroom, threw up in their tub. They woke me up the next morning at about, uh, it was around 5 a.m. probably because we were leaving around 6 a.m. Uh, and then we finally hit the, but me being still drunk from the night before, uh, I decided that I was going to, uh, sleep in the back seat. And by the way, Joey Allen did not show up for this show because he was so drunk. He couldn't make it to Eddie's in the morning, uh, to make the drive to Kirkland Lake. So he did not go to this show, even though he was booked for it. 
so I was sitting in the middle between Eddie Osborne and Super Kamikaze, and I was just I was passing out the whole time. Um, and we we made a quick stop in Barrie at a Tim Hortons, and uh, got out of the car, went to grab a coffee, use the washroom, whatever. And they wouldn't let me into the washroom because they didn't want me to look in the mirror. Because what they had done, uh, Eddie Osborne took a red Sharpie and on one side of my face drew a really big uh, smile line and then handed the uh, Sharpie over to Super Kamikaze, who on the other side of my face drew another really big smile line. So I had this uh, this Joker smile on my face as I uh, in, in Sharpie as I walked into Tim Hortons to order food and uh, and then I, I saw it when I got into the washroom, tried to get it off, didn't really come off. Uh, thankfully, before the actual show happened, I was able to use the washroom in the hotel in Kirkland Lake to get it off. But uh, yeah, I, uh, I looked like a jackass. And to this day, if you hear any of those guys or like Nick Marcanti or anything like that say, oh, easy is all smiles. That is what they are talking about because that was the running joke uh, for the rest of that weekend. Oh, easy, he's all smiles, even when I was angry, because you could still kind of see the outline of the red Sharpie on my face because they drew on my face while I was passed out from drinking too much the night before. And we're back, ladies and gentlemen. Big thank you to Easy as well as Steve Brown and Vander Cruz for your amazing road stories. Um, always a lot of fun to be able to go back and hearing some of the tales from uh, the road here in Ontario Independent Wrestling and some of the fun things that they've all had to deal with within their careers. But let's not waste any time. We've been talking for a long time. Let's end it off. The main event on the card, AEW World Championship, Kenny by God Omega, as uh, Don Callis likes to say, taking on the one and only Canada's own Christian Cage. Um, of course, Christian Cage leading up into this match had been, uh, I'm pretty sure trying to break the, uh, the word, uh, piece of shit as many possible times you can say on air on television without getting thrown off the air. Uh, You're on cable. They can get one shit an episode. <laughs> um, well, there you go. So, um, this matchup itself, I thought this was actually a really fun Kenny Omega match because I think that Christian was able to slow him down, go a different pace. They knew that they weren't going to be able to compete with some of the other matches on this card, nor should they have to. Um, but it was still a fun, great main event. Of course, boy, before we get into the actual um, big debuts, of course, leading up after this matchup, um, there's one thing I will say. Of course, Kenny Omega finally did getting the victory over Christian Cage by pinfall, but. One of the things that I absolutely hated was actually during the post-match before all the debuts happened, and that is when the rest of the Elite came out. And I had two guys that were just in a goddamn steel cage match hitting offense on people covered in ice packs and no-selling the shit out of their injuries. And that's, of course, the Young Bucks. They were selling. They were not selling. Young Jackson had a hump on his back with ice, and he was still hitting moves and kicks and just no-selling everything that was happening around him. So that was pissing me off. So that was the one thing I took from that whole fucking main event, as crazy as this is to say. Um, But be that as it may, Omega, like I said, retains the championship. Um, Of course, moving on to, I'm sure, some of the other people who are now debuting to this company over the last month. We'll see what happens. Jordan, we'll start with you. What do you think about this main event? Well, I don't really know if I can say anything else now because you just took my talking points. Seriously? Yes. 
Yeah, you went on a bit there. I thought you were gonna lead it gradual, like match. That's post-match. exactly what I was. That's exactly what I was gonna say. That like I was a fan of this match because yeah, Kenny Omega working with a veteran like Christian, he was able to slow him down, make everything breathe more, make the match breathe, make the match flow better. You well, literally great. just said that. Well, you great minds think alike then. Their rampage match. Jordan, did you see the Rampage match for the TNA Impact title? I did. Or whatever. And I thought this was effectively, and again, I have to rewatch it because by this time, Adam, you know that I was I was out to Plan Nine from outer space. So, <laughs> uh, but I felt like it was a different. <laughs> they did a different match than their Rampage match. Well, as they should have. But I actually preferred the Rampage match over this match, if I will say. Okay. Yeah. I, yeah, I think I prefer the Impact Championship match over this one from the pay per view. But why is that? I thought that the chemistry was better. I thought the crowd was a lot hotter for it at that point. Which, of course, you know, well, by I mean, that I, point they. I mean, that's that, fair. Like, it's a different hours. situation. Though. No, I know. I realize they had different, you know, hindrances put upon them. But like, I just thought that the actual storytelling of the match was. Just a little bit better. I'm not sure what it was. It's kind of like the whole, why'd you prefer Mania 25 Taker and Sean over 26? It's just, it's one of those things. Like, it's the same way with this match. I preferred the first one over the second one, so. That's fair. The original over the sequel, as most people do. Uh, hey, so man, it's, Aliens is better than Alien. I'll fight anybody to the thank death. You. I love Aliens. That's the best one. Not to get off topic, but anyway. Save that for uh, next yeah, I also like Alien Resurrection. Uh, you can go. <laughs> oh, God. <laughs> I had to. I had to throw that in. Uh, Jordan, continue. No, I mean, again, Adam took my talking points, so that's basically all I had to say. All right, Jeff, anything for you before we get into the post-show? Oh, you mean the post-show, which is my highlight of the night. Uh, almost. Well, yeah, it was. Uh, no, I mean, again, Christian, I mean, 2005, I was all Christian Cage, right? I was a big Christian fan. So this this was pretty huge for me. I I wondered, I toyed with the notion, especially with the Bucks losing, is like, okay, is Christian going to get dual belts now? And is he going to win? I, I thought about it, but I'm like, I, I just, I can't see it. I don't know yet what's going to happen with this. So I had a feeling Omega was going to retain. He, he did. I wasn't disappointed about it because of now all the lead-up stuff that we have. Uh, but I thought it was a great outing. It's it's not hurting Christian at all by this point because he's got a belt and it's still a very, very strong feud and he's still standing tall by the end of it as we will get into talking about the post-show. I uh, agree with you, by the way. I, I definitely bid on that unprettier that he hit and like when he went for the, call, the yeah. cover, I'm like, ooh, two. Oh, I'm like, all right, that was a good job. Yeah, Look over Jordan. He's like, he's not gonna get him. I was like, oh, but you know, I, I would have been, I was cool either way. Obviously, I would, I would have loved Christian. But would we have got the effectiveness of that closing segment as well if Christian won? No. So mm-hmm. I, I think it was all, it all circulated around nicely. You know, to to pulling that whole thing off, that whole sequence, the right, ending well, sequence. Well, I did and, mention it. I did mention off the top. Did Christian get the hell out of there and disappear before all that happened, too? Yeah, no kidding. Uh, of course, post-match as well, as we were just talking about, um, the Elite comes down, lays a whipping on Christian. Uh, Jurassic Express try to make the save because they've shown that alliance over the last few weeks uh, with them, too. Of course, they are getting beat down as well. Omega gets Adam, in the microphone. Adam, Adam, 
what what the fuck? This is just so not. Oh, you know, we got the beatdown on Jurassic Express comes in. It's like by that point when they were hitting, you've got me there. Like, where's Jungle Boy? Where is Jurassic? Save him. Run in. Me, Mark the F out to get him back on the pay-per-view. Runs in to make the save. I get Jungle Boy post-main event segment. So that I was done. I was sold already. I was good. I was gonna say, you're, then, like, you're like Randy Marsh from that scene from South Park where the guy's just lying in the chair. Jordan's knows exactly what I'm talking about. Uh, <laughs> and then it just got better. This whole the whole ending thing got better now because of who's you know to come. So of course, Omega gets on the microphone. You know, no one in this company or any company pretty much is uh, able to take my championship and whatever. Even anyone alive or dead, lights cut out. We hear a really cool, actually, theme song that they chose for this man, and out comes the uh, recently ex NXT superstar Adam Cole, baby, uh, comes out to the ring, also through the heel tunnel. I would like to add when he first came out, so that was a little indication of what some people should have noticed right off the bat. So that little swerve when he kicked Jungle, I was like, what? (laughs) <laughs> exactly. Came out to the ring. It looked like he was going to get in Omega's face. Nah, he's going to be with his buddies. Are you kidding me? Him and the Bucks have been going back for a long, long time, and him and, and of course, uh, a part of the Bullet Club. So, I was, Although, when he said a little bit of story time, I thought he was going to go on the mic and shoot for about five to seven minutes, but I'm glad that didn't happen. No, you know what? That was refreshing, because, like, honestly, I get a little tired of hearing people who leave the WWE just immediately just start to shit on the horrible experience they had. But it's like not everybody has a horrible experience. Well, he shouldn't. He was pushed as he he was pushed as the guy for like three four years. He better not. So, uh, but then of course you know they're getting in the ring. The elite still kicking the crap out of Jungle Boy. Jeff's crying in the corner, and uh, ultimately um, the lights cut out once again. We hear Flight of the Valkyries hits, and then a really really shitty remix version (laughs) that I swear to God. I'm, I get it. They probably couldn't. It's not the fact they couldn't afford um, the final countdown from Europe to license that song because Tony Khan shits out thousand dollars bills every time he goes to the bathroom. So I have no issue. I'm, I don't think that's the reason. I just that they think they couldn't for whatever the reason. And they wanted to go with the more modern, popular version of Daniel Bryan's song and then add this really stupid spin on it. But out comes Daniel Bryan, really a.k.a. Brian Danielson. Brian Danielson, who is one of my all-time favorites of all time, come out to the ring, super-duper happy, starts kicking the shit out of the heels. Uh, I forget who he was laying in the corner with those kicks, but that was awesome. Um, and then for before also hitting the running knee. So, I mean... I don't remember which one. I mean, there was also the talk about them coming in or bringing in Daniel Bryan for that New York show. But, of course, there was some issues possibly about them either closing down the state because of COVID or whatever is happening because of the rising numbers. So they might have just hot shot it for tonight. But be that as it may, um, this was I can see why everyone loved this show so much because of all the huge debuts and the names and the news that came out of it. I think that this is one of those shows where people are going to look back on and give it so much praise because of post-match things rather than matches themselves. I don't think that matches, I think matches like the steel cage match people are going to talk about for a long time or, you know, punks return to wrestling after seven years, but all people are going to talk about after this, it's going to be one of those situations like, Oh my God, I loved all out uh, from back in the day. Everyone talks about from Money in the Bank 2011. It's not the fact that Punk and Cena had a five-star classic in the ring. They just talk about the crowd from Chicago, Punk coming out, and stealing the championship. 
and then blowing the kiss to Vince McMahon. This is the same thing, at least in my opinion, what's going to happen with AEW All Out from 2021. Everyone's going to remember the show. Yeah, they had a pretty good cage match, but man, Suzuki came out. Man, Adam Cole came out. Holy shit. Brian Danielson came out. Accentuated a strong card. You don't think it was like a strong enough card? I think it was a Uh, strong card throughout, but it wasn't anything that was going to work. Nothing on this card lit the world on fire and is going to win match of the year, in my opinion. Now, Dave Meltzer, I'm sure, is going to throw more five star ratings (laughs) on (laughs) Big Show and QT is going to get like four and a half stars and be better than Flair and Steamboat in his eyes because he's going to be like, oh my God. Ugh. Well, you know, the crowd loved it, so therefore they got to give it an instant four stars right there. Yeah, Dave Meltzer is not biased at all. So, <laughs> but again, be that as it may, of course the ratings haven't come out with that, or else I would obviously say them. But I don't know. I think that's just my takeaway. Like, yes, it was a great card. I'm glad I saw it. There were some great matches. There's nothing that's going to make me want to go back and watch one of these matches again. Maybe only because of the feel of the Chicago crowd for Punk. Or just going back in the highlights on YouTube and watching the debuts of certain people. So to me, though, that's it. And I think people are going to overhype this show. And people are going to overhype this show. There's no chance that this show was better than X7. And that's not nostalgia talking. That's because there was better matches and better stars and higher caliber athletes on Mania 17 compared to the show. I still agree. Mania 17, you're never going to get again. That was a a bold one. And even Steve and I were saying on When Geeks Collide about SummerSlam 2002, also one of our personal favorites and all-time best shows. Like. Does it does it hold up to that? Certainly from an AEW standpoint, this is one of their strongest, if not their strongest pay-per-view outing as a, as a whole. As you, know a what I would, you know what I would compare this to when it comes to like solid matches we're going to talk about from years to come, but like not lighting the world on fire, but still memorable? This is a Survivor Series 2002 card. Oh, very nice. Okay, very nice. Yeah. Like you had great matches. You had things that were memorable. You had a date. You had a return slash debut with Scott Steiner. You had like the elimination chamber. You had all these different things and Shawn Michaels winning the title. You had all those different moments or whatever put into one plus MSG. This is the same caliber. In my opinion, the survivor series. Oh, two and all out from 2011, 2021. That's just myself. Anybody else want to get the closing thoughts on this angle at the end? And of course the pay-per-view itself. We've got strong talent, again, an established strong talent coming in and standing with your future progressing talent. So a show closing out with Brian Danielson, Jungle Boy assisting. That's that's all we needed. Plus Christian, again, much like Darby, Punk, and Sting in the ring, it's three solid generations. Again, you've got three solid generations right there. <laughs> Jeff, Jeff, there was a dinosaur in the ring, too. Don't forget. There was a dinosaur. It wasn't just Jungle Boy. Jungle Boy was not the only one that came down to make the save. There was a six-foot-five dinosaur, too. Oh, there was Marco, too. Fuck Marco Stunt. Don't even bring his name up. We were so close. <laughs> Hate that weasel. Piece of shit. Guess is not a uh, Daniel Bryan, Bryan Danielson fan. Uh, at all, probably less than CM Punk, and uh, still excited for his return simply because of his effectiveness and being out there with Jungle Boy and uh, Christian and Luchasaurus. And that is me. 
That is me. Not a big. It was here nor there of Brian Danielson coming to AEW, but in coming your, in like he oh did. Oh my god! In your eyes, it'd be like, man, fucking Jungle Boy gave Daniel Bryan or Brian Danielson the rub of a lifetime being out in the ring with him. He is honored <laughs> and privileged to stand next to the ring with with Luke Perry's son. Like my god, Jordan, <laughs> your final thoughts on this uh, card and the ultimate end. I mean, if I there feel- one lister out there who agrees with me. <laughs> I kind of feel bad for this company because they have to keep some of the worst kept secrets. Like all you like, you can't tell me that nobody didn't expect either of those two things to happen. Like we, we were watching it and we were both waiting for the fact of like, all right, Danielson's probably going to come out at the end of the main event. We even made the joke. He was probably going to come out during the main event, make it a triple threat. Cause that's I heard that. what he does. <laughs> But here's the best part. It's a nice championship match. It would would be a shame if someone turned into a triple threat. Yeah. (laughs) You you sometimes think of it, and they give it. That's like Rampage, CM Punk's debut, or, you know, is he coming? Is he coming? They didn't fuck around. He kicked off the show and came out. So, again, they know their crowd. If the crowd wants it, here's your spoon. Let's feed you. Let's just give it to you right now. We're we're not – you're expecting it anyway. Now let's deliver it. And that's something they do well right now. Do right. you think? Do you think that they do? Now, this is just a hypothetical for the future. Do you think it could be possible in the long run that they do this so much that it could actually turn into a detriment for them? You mean like ECW Absolutely. having a I surprise think, for the sake of having, having a surprise on every show, and also do anyone now for for a good while. Even right. if it's Bray uh, Wyatt, I think you should hold off now. Maybe till till Revolution. Let's go like six months and care, because, ride this right now. Because like you have a new star, which it seems to be coming in like every three weeks. That it, like to me, it kind of makes the guy who just showed up seem a little less special already. This is their most they've done at one time, I think. Right, Adam? Uh, it's pretty high. I mean, you had Malachi Black, you had Andrade. You had now Ruby Soho. You got uh, Adam Cole, Brian Danielson. Like it's there's like quite a bit in the last month alone. Yeah, like all in a row. Like I don't know. Like to me, I would think that eventually something's gonna cancel itself out. You're not gonna be able to juggle all these high profile names so effectively, or you're gonna start to just make fans numb to it and spoil them so much that it's gonna be like, oh, okay, cool. There's a new guy. I think we have to ride now with these guys for for a good little bit. Uh, like we have to get through full gear in November without anything except for the backs of these guys riding on their shoulders now. Well, ultimately the show was probably I would say definitely their best pay-per-view of the year and it's I wouldn't say there was their best match uh from, you know, one of their pay-per-views. Um, I would still even say that some of the other matches had done better, but ultimately I obviously will still say that this pay-per-view is probably the best that AEW has delivered so far this year. They still got another one coming up in the end of November, beginning of November, I believe. Uh, um, so, you know, time will tell with that. So, um, 
We've been talking about this one for a long, long time, so let's uh, put this one to bed. Uh, Jeff, Jordan, it's always a pleasure to be able to have you guys on here. Um, Jordan, we'll start with you. Where can be able to find you on social media? And I know you're going to say, I don't have social media, but just answer the question. Oh, I, use, I have Facebook when I use it, and other than that, you can find me on here pretty regularly. All right. Jeff? What's the point of being on something if you can't get some fame and followers for real, Jordan? <laughs> I don't know why he keeps asking me that. Like, I don't know. Maybe one day some chick's going to like message him and be like, and that's how I met my wife. Speaking <laughs> of someone who has no fame and followers, unless it's bad fame, it's me. Uh, so sunsetcrypt.com, you can find the links to When Geeks Collide and our YouTube channels there. Of course, New School Wrestling, a show coming up on the 26th in Hamilton. Uh, so again, everything's available at somehow some channel through there at KDAV Jeff at KDAV Jeff on Twitter and Instagram. And I'm on Facebook too. If you want, it doesn't mean I'll add you. And thank, thank <laughs> there's you. A, there's thank a you chance, there's a chance, but I was gonna say, there's a chance of you adding them, but we'll see what happens. That's true. <laughs> That's true. Uh, so yeah, this is always fun. Hopefully we don't throw too many people off. Like if anyone, could get so nauseated with pro jungle boy stuff to the fact that they just hate him and he could turn heel. It, it, I'd get that over. I'd get the heel turn over because I just oversaturate. It wouldn't matter. You'd be the only one in the audience still going, whoa, 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 whoa. Um, I think we covered a lot of jungle boy. You would have thought he was the main event tonight because of how many times you brought him up. <laughs> well, I I figured, I I, well, I figured that was a part of the contract. If I bring you onto the show, there's like a quota of how many times that his name has to be dropped, you know? So, um, of course, like I said, I say, as, as nobody else has the, the position to be on this show, if there's a Jungle Voice segment outside of me talking I, about it, I don't know. I don't, I don't know at this point. If anyone else talks about it, I feel like it's copyright infringement at this point. Um, <laughs> <laughs> uh, of course, uh, for myself, find everything over in the archives over at anchor.fm slash Wallwars podcast. Find us on Facebook, facebook.com slash Wallwars. Also on Instagram. Uh, we recently just hit 100 followers and we on Instagram and we just did our fun little draw. So a big um, congratulations once again goes to Gilmy Talks, uh, Justin Gilmet, uh, for his uh, win of that $50 gift card to Amazon. Um, next week on the show, which will be September the 16th, it's a Thursday, as always, at 10 a.m., which is when our episodes drop. Um, I am officially breaking news right now. I am very happy uh, to announce that an interview that I've been wanting to conduct over the last three years um, for myself, I am finally going to be able to do. Um, he is one of my best friends in this entire business and also in life, but he's also one of the most controversial figures to ever be in Ontario independent wrestling. Of course, I'm talking about I'm going to be having an exclusive interview with the one and only Jesse fucking Amato. Now, this man has a very polarizing career, um, loved by some, hated by many, uh, but respected by well, some. <laughs> and, uh, he's had quite a quite a career when it comes to just getting into professional wrestling, um, getting into Death Proof, uh, traveling to the United States, living out his dream, but ultimately um, having to deal with a lot of personal demons and uh, addiction that has plagued his career and his life that has affected him and his family for quite some time. Um, so we're going to be doing a very exclusive sit-down, one-on-one interview that I did with him uh, where nothing is off the table and it's a very real and emotional um, uh, interview that I was able to conduct with him and I really hope that you guys all enjoy it and listen to it with an open heart and um, listen to where he's coming from. I hold no punches and I also want to be able to 
present him not in the way that he's my best friend, but I want to present him in the way that he wanted to, and that's just a man that just loves pro wrestling and wants to redeem himself. So that, of course, is next week on September the 16th. That is Thursday at 10 a.m., so definitely give that a listen. Uh, Till then, ladies and gentlemen, my name's Adam Hayes. Thank you very much. We'll catch you on the next one.